0: Welcome to the ETIA podcast. I'm glad you're listening to us. I'm your host, I'm Jennifer Kakshori. This episode is in honor of the 150th anniversary of the ETIA Alumni Association. Out of all of the thousands of ETIA graduates, we picked two former students from two different generations.
1: I'm Richard Ernst, and I'm 85 years old, and I'm waiting for, for the end which isn't too far anymore away from me.
0: But your eyes look very young and happy while you say that. Uh, Thank you. I visited Richard Ernst in Winterthur and he had a boyish smirk on his face
2: when he said it. I think he wanted to see how I react. I'm here with another guest. My name is Julia Wiesling. I'm 28 years old and I studied mathematics at ETH. I finished about two years ago in 2016.
0: Richard Ernst won the Nobel Prize in 1991. Was there ever a
2: moment where you met him? Did you ever see him? No, I never met him. I think he stopped teaching at ETH when I was about eight years old. So I never had the opportunity to meet him. But is he a name for you? Did you, know, did you hear of course. For example, in chemistry, my chemistry colleagues, they are always attending the Richard Ernst lectures. Of course, he's a name there. And also everybody at ETH knows these lectures. So we want to go back to the beginning.
1: I installed a chemistry lab in in the basement. And this was my chemical paradise, where I had a lot of bottles, which I didn't know what they contained. And I didn't understand much of chemistry at that time. But I learned a lot And this was my first experience in chemistry, learning about my chemicals. Was it dangerous? Of course it was dangerous. I discovered that only later. Nothing really happened ever. The chemicals didn't explode. My parents, who lived in in the first floor of the house, they survived as well as I survived in the basement.
0: Richard Ernst found a box full of chemicals that had originally belonged to his uncle. And that's how his passion for chemistry began. What about your passion for math? Where did that start?
2: Well, I was always interested in math. My father always tells me how I used to count the light poles at the street when I was like three years old. So I was very affiliated to the numbers and later on in school of course I loved the mathematics but then I had a teacher which was a man and he was uh, very much about them um, yeah women can't do natural sciences and mathematics and he always gave me bad grades so this was when I really got into it and I kind of just wanted to show him that this is not true and I wanted to make yeah mark an example that uh, he's wrong about this. If you look at the Hall of Fame of all the
0: Nobel Prize winners at the Etihad, there are about 20 of them, Mm -hmm. and they're all male. And what was it like for you to study also in an environment that was male-dominated?
2: Well, I found it very inspiring, but also quite a challenge, because you always feel that you're uh, kind of in a minority We have about 30% women, so it's not too bad. I think there's other fields where it's worse. But uh, still, you always have the feeling that you have to prove yourself, that you have to show that women are also able to do natural sciences or mathematics or technical sciences. You studied at the ETH
0: after you did your matura here in Winterthur. What was it about the ETH that made you
1: go there? Yeah, you know, it was by far the best school and I didn't have ever anything else in mind than going to ETH. That was my destiny.
2: I feel kind of the same way. I looked into other universities as well, but all of them had a worse yeah, ranking or uh, they seemed to be less good than uh, ETH. So I stayed in Zurich and I went to ETH. You ne- Did you never leave Switzerland for your studies? During my studies, I never left Switzerland. When I was in high school, I went to Australia for one year to do an high school exchange year. So... I didn't feel like I have to leave Switzerland again. And what was Very it like soon. for you to come back? From Australia? Very different. You start to look at things uh, in a different way. You you kind of see all the things you do every day in a different perspective because uh, you understand that not everything is uh, trivial, that not everything is guaranteed. Richard Ernst also left Switzerland after he
0: did his postdoc here at the ETH.
1: When I moved to California, chemistry came with me, and the center of of my universe remained with me, and I was happy with it and enjoyed what I was doing. Did you ever regret coming back to Switzerland when you came back from California? Yeah, when I came back with my family, I had a nervous breakdown because I couldn't stand my backward country anymore, any longer. In Switzerland, I didn't feel very happy. It was really what I thought old-fashioned. And,
0: and only in chemistry or in general?
1: In general.
2: Can you relate? Yes, in some ways, even though, I mean... Often it appears that other countries aren't that backward, but still uh, they are in some other ways. I think Switzerland is quite slow, uh, and I think Richard Ernst is quite right about this. But in many uh, fields, Switzerland is also ahead of its time. So it's kind of a mixture.
0: And the ETI has an international surrounding. You have students from all over. Does Mm -hmm. that also change the atmosphere of studying here for you?
2: Yes, of course. um, You get in touch with many different cultures and um, you can also learn from them. Sometimes it's uh, very small things which are different about these cultures. And it's quite good to see this during the studies because then you start relating to other cultures or start to learn about them. I also want to speak about Richard
0: Ernst, what he did to save him from the tightness that he felt when he came back to Switzerland.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got other interests in in addition to chemistry. I mean, one of my, my major interests was music. I was very much fascinated by music. I started to compose music and to perform music. I played the cello. That was very important in my life. Do you also have a passion that
2: broadened your horizon? In contrast to maths? Yes, I actually, during my studies at ETH, I started to do a lot of sports. I started to do triathlon, for example. And ETH really has a very good uh, offering in this area. The ASFZ is a very important, or plays a very int- important role in students' life every day. And I was able to fulfill this passion quite well at ETH. Yeah. So when you came
0: back from California, you came back to your Alma Mater, you came back to the ETH, what was it like for you to be on the other side of the bench, so to say? You were
1: teaching now. Yeah, I didn't like the return to ETH very much. I felt like a a little boy who never grew up entirely and went back to his alma mater without ever being separated enough from it. I was somewhat lost in a world which I didn't understand myself anymore, but I survived. What about you? When you think of your alma mater, how do you feel about it?
2: I feel very good about it. I uh, had some great times here. In the end, I felt similar to Richard Ernst. I wanted to get out. I uh, wanted to see different things, but I always like to come back and to see how it developed or how it didn't develop in some areas and to think back to the times I spent here. And could you imagine teaching here? No, I couldn't, but this is not because I wouldn't like to go back to ETH, but because I'm a very bad teacher, in my own opinion.
1: Would you study there again, or would you
0: choose music
1: instead? No, I certainly would study again at that place. I would like to try to repeat my life in the same way as I experienced it myself. It couldn't have happened better than it did.
2: Yes, I would answer exactly the same. I would do everything in the same way. Of course, sometimes you make decisions which you think uh, you could have done better, but I was very happy at ETH. I'm very happy now, so uh, I can't complain. I would do everything the same way again.
1: Wherever I went, I had problems to to solve. But I mean, problems are important to get exposed to the difficulties of the world. And you cannot grow without having difficulties in life. And I have had plenty of them related to my work and to to my existence and my living and my, my body. Problems always lead to something better if you look at them from the proper side.
0: Julia Wiesling, do you also see problems as something to grow?
2: Of course, uh, I always think that it's better if you have problems that you can overcome than if you just have a boring life without any challenges.
0: Isn't that what you did as a mathematician or what you do as a mathematician to solve problems?
2: Exactly. And I think studying mathematics is a very good thing in this context because uh, you start also in your everyday life to look at things differently, to look at the problems differently and to solve them in a very structured in the logical way. If you look back
0: at your years at ETH, what are your most fond memories?
1: I mean, I had the freedom to do what I want, and I could implement my own dreams at ETH.
2: This is uh, very true. You have a big freedom at ETH, and this is also one of the hardest things, because if you have the freedom, you also have to have a way to structure this freedom and to use this freedom. So uh, what you really learn at ETH is to think about what you want to do and to then do this in a very efficient way, because otherwise you get stuck. The ETA is very famous worldwide,
0: has top rankings, has great scientists, and you can also see by the awards that are won here at ETA, the Nobel Prizes and other grants and awards. Is it something that attracts students as well to want to win awards? Because as a student, you're also able to win awards for exceptional
2: exams and
0: for exceptional research. I
2: think this is especially the case in the beginning. When you come to ETH as a young student, you think you're the best in your field, of course, because you were the best of your class, usually. And that at uh, some point during the first year, this kind of becomes relative because everybody else is also very exceptional and very good at what they do. So in this time, uh, students start to decide whether they really want to go into winning the prizes, going into research and to do exceptional work in this field, or whether they want to focus on uh, something else which has the same um, prestige, but is uh, maybe just in the industry and not in research.
0: What impact did your discoveries have for the ETH?
1: Uh, in- initially, very little. And ETH also had to become to train, so to say, on on this exploration and on the meaning of this prize. I mean, they they were growing with me together and looking at my invention, which I really can say it's my invention as nobody else was really connected to it at the beginning. And I shared it with ETH. And finally, I mean, you you get a gold medal for the Nobel Prize. I have given that gold medal generously to ETH. And it's now deposited at ETH. And I'm the donator. But the gold medal belongs now to ETH.
0: What's it like for you when you pass gold medals and the
2: cups that you can see
0: here in certain vitrines?
2: It's very impressive, of course. I think it's also very impressive that there's uh, professors here which maybe not have a gold medal yet, but which are really exceptional in their fields and that you as a young student, just like that, have the opportunity to talk to them or to visit a lecture of them. When I spoke to
0: Richard Ernst, I also spoke to him about laying the foundations for a device that has become indispensable to modern medicine. He laid the foundations of what we know as the MRI, the magnetic resonance tomograph, where we can see many things in a human's body, especially in the head and in the brain.
1: Magnetic resonance today is probably one of the most important tools of, of medical science. Did you ever look at your brain via this method? Of course. I have it downstairs in my study room. At the, the door hangs my inside of my head, and I have to look at it every day. And what do you see there? I mean, on the first side, my head looks similar as everybody else's head. It's nothing special about it, but I mean, the details are what matters. If you look
0: back now at the ETH, now you're not at the ETH for several years, for 20 years. What does the ETH mean to you in retrospect?
1: Yeah, ETH performed quite well during these past 60 or 70 years. And I still feel it's a great school, and it's probably the best school which I could have selected at that time. I couldn't expect more from life than what I got at ETH. Uh, Julia Wiesling, in retrospect,
0: if you look at your alma mater now, what are your thoughts?
2: I think it was a good choice to study at ETH. I would do the same again. I had So great experiences there, and I would recommend it to everybody who thinks about studying that they go and study at ETH. You spoke about
0: all the good things, but are there things you would wish that they would be differently now?
2: I think ETH has uh, many challenges. Right now, one reads a lot in the newspaper about mobbing scandals and so on. I I would wish that ETH takes those challenges not as a negative thing, but as an opportunity to grow and to make things better for the future. Because if uh, ETH is able to do that, I think it can be even greater and it can be an even better place to study and to work. This episode of the ETA
0: podcast was on the occasion of the 150th birthday of the ETA Alumni Association. I met with two ETA graduates, Richard Ernst and Julia Wiesling. Richard Ernst is 85 years old. He's a graduate and a former professor of the ETA, and he won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 1991. Julia Wiesling is 28 years old, studied math, and finished her studies at ETA two years ago. By the way, you can listen to earlier episodes that we produced for the ETA podcast. You can also subscribe to us and then you won't miss our next episode. Check out your Globe magazine. There you can find a little Hall of Fame with other former ETA students and also an interview with the ETA rector Sarah Springman. Thank you for listening. I produced this podcast together with Tis Audio Story Lab. My name is Jennifer Kakshori. Music, Mastering and Sound Design by Ruki Fritz.